Welcome to Get Amplified, the podcast for tech industry leaders and aspiring leaders covering topics from keeping up with the pace of change, staying fulfilled in your role, and looking out for the well-being of your team and yourself. This podcast is brought to you by the Amplified Group. As always, we're virtual. I'm at home in Buckinghamshire. Vicky's in deepest darkest Oxfordshire. Shah's over in the Netherlands. So Shah, what's our topic for today? Well, our topic today is built around one main thing, which is high trust culture. And we have a guest on who I'm really pleased to say, even though he's not right next to me in the Netherlands, is also in the Netherlands as well. (laughs) So I'm not alone over here for a change. Um, And uh, Francisco is going to talk about the strength of a leader and and being vulnerable and also a leader that recognises their blind spot. And I'm going to say his name because I've been practicing it, which is Francisco Perez van der Oord. Hope I got that right, Francisco. Yeah, that's good. Um, And Francisco is the former CEO, but still the owner and founder of ITQ. So Francisco is going to talk about why he's no longer the CEO, but obviously still at ITQ. With that, Sam, I'm going to hand over to Francisco. Yes, welcome. So Vicky and Sharon and Sim, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I, uh, I started uh, ITQ, I think it was 2001, and I was 24 in that time. Um, so pretty young for starting a business. And, um, yeah, really? I used to, yeah. I, and I used to work uh, together with uh, Paul, who was, my, uh, who was my partner in crime in this company. He uh, was a little bit older, but I'm not allowed to say that uh, to people. Um, but um, we started the company in 2001 and uh, we used to work for a consultancy firm. Our issue with that firm was that uh, we didn't understand the why or the mission of the firm. Um, so what we, what we saw was that people who couldn't keep up the pace uh, of all the new innovation, uh, there was invested a lot of money in them. But the consultants who already did the job and were doing the job uh, at that moment, they were making the money, but nobody was taking care of them anymore. And at that time, I was already thinking that speed was the new currency. Things were going faster and faster and faster. So, so we are, had this thought in that time that uh, let's find the right skilled people and create a program that we are going to invest in them permanently. So that was the, the whole idea when we started ITQ in 2001. After 12 years, we looked to each other and say, well, we did a pretty nice job, but it's not really that we are excited about one thing or really proud about something. So that was the time uh, that we decided to uh, move a little bit and uh, find a new mission and a new why. Keep the same culture, but move it a little bit. And uh, well, the mission we created in that time was uh, trying to be the best VMware consultancy company in EMEA. That was the mission. And the why was, uh, or still is, uh, helping uh, customers with this innovative VMware technology to be more agile. So, so, that's, so that's where we are today, I think. Um, we're doing a lot of work in the Benelux region, uh, but still 30% of our business is uh, in the rest of Europe. And um, yeah, today I'm responsible. My responsibility is partner of customer success, means that uh, marketing, sales and delivery are reporting to me. But like uh, Cheryl already mentioned, uh, I'm not, not longer the CEO anymore. Very interesting. Well, looking forward to uh, to getting into the into the nitty gritty of that, as it were. Uh, and Vicky, why is, why do you think this topic's so important? Well, I'm I'm also really interested to to hear Francisco's story. 
And what you just said there about no longer being CEO, at the end of each podcast, we, we um, say who our hero is. One of my heroes is an organization that we worked with where the CEO recognized that he didn't have and the right strengths to be CEO and he recognized that it was time for him to move into a new role and I think that is a, it's a really brave thing to do so you know as Francisco says that he recognized his blind spots in an IT leaders survey that we did a couple of years ago it was really very clear to us and we we um, surveyed organizations that were startups through to, or to, to tech giants and what we found was that even very small organizations that were 15 years old and more had not been able to scale because they'd been held back by the founders because the founders were still in the role even though they the business had grown beyond down. them perhaps yeah yeah they probably knew deep down that they were not the right person to be the ceo a ceo is it's a very different role as a company matures and to be able to have that insight to recognize that it's time to change role it doesn't mean yeah. you necessarily have to leave the company like like francisco you know, is, is clearly helping um, ITQ go from strength to strength. And it's phenomenal um, what, what ITQ is doing. You know, what's, what's really interesting, I hadn't thought about this before we started this podcast, but um, as you know, I was with, with Softcat for 20 years, really. And I joined when Peter, the founder, was still... MD still in charge really on a on a day-to-day basis and I remember him talking about what we do next about probably five years maybe five or six years into my softcat career um, and saying I'm an entrepreneur the definition of an entrepreneur is someone who grows a business to 100 people and screws it all up I'm out of control we <laughs> we I'm, I'm out of control we need a we need a real managing director. In. Um, I can shake his hand. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's how I thought. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly yeah. that. And what um, an interesting concept to hand over your baby. You know, he used to refer to us as his fifth child. Um, <laughs> to hand over your, the, the, your baby to somebody else, which is, I guess, you know, to some extent, is what you've done, Francisco. Really interesting. So, Francisco, what do you base the success of ITQ on? Well, I think it's a few things. Uh, people, focus, culture. Well, let's start with, uh, with the focus. Um, the, so our mission is very clear at ITQ. So we know what we want to be. We want to be the, the best EMEA partner for VMware from a knowledge perspective. So every time people are bringing new things in, I'm asking them, is it bringing us something extra in our mission, yes or no? And if it's, the answer is no, we don't do it. Yeah. Um, and that's the same with the why. If we're not helping customers to be successful, we're not going to do it. Yeah. So people is the, is, is the other thing. So we're, we're a people company. And um, we make the joke internally that everybody is handpicked, like, an, uh, like a farmer is doing with his grapes. 
to create the best wine. So um, I love that analogy. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It sounds it sounds in a way funny, but it's 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 really the basis. Perfect. Yeah. So Paul, my uh, the, the partner I started ITQ uh, with, he is doing every job interview. There is a process before that, but he is doing the, the final job interview. And if he's not convinced, he's our farmer in a way. If he's not convinced, this is the right the right grape. You're not coming into the company. I suppose um, one one um, one one bad grape spoils the flavor of the wine. Yes, and it, uh, of course it happens sometimes, and that's something that we have to blame ourselves for, not uh, not HR or the, the, the team manager who's responsible. Uh, but then we have to fix that problem. Um, and and. Um, well, and, and the third thing is culture, but I think we will discuss culture more uh, in this uh, in this podcast. But, but I think the culture of ITQ is the basis of our complete success. So you you built an amazing team. You've won loads of awards recently. Um, what's the secret sauce? What's the secret sauce? Hmm. So what we did um, um, when we re- were redefining the company about. Uh, about seven years ago was uh, give our core values a, a more important place in the in the way we approach things so we had the feeling that uh, if you want to have focus and uh, you want to know uh, what your mission is and what the goals are you want to reach you need some very stable core values um, the thing with core values is that uh, you can find some words. Ours are passion, authenticity, ownership, and quality. But you can make 1,000 words. It's, it, it, it doesn't say anything. Yeah. You have to make it explicit and you have yeah. to embed it, embed it in your processes. You, you have to live it. Yeah. And uh, that was something we were not really good in. <laughs> and that's something we spend a lot of time and energy on with, the, uh, with each other. So uh, our core values are, uh, yeah, they are the... Uh, the, the basic process elements in our company. So if HR is doing his interviews or um, uh, his uh, moments in the year that you have a discussion with your team manager about your performance or how are we delivering projects, it's embedded in everything. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's important. And, uh, um, and the other thing, um, I think more recently, and that's one of the things the, the new CEO started with, is you have to do the same with culture. And uh, if you thought it is difficult to create core values and embed them in your organization, then I wish you a lot of good luck with uh, doing that same with culture. Because uh, having a management meeting and say to each other, it's a good plan to make culture more explicit. Yeah, that's like a one hour talk, and then you have to start. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, I think we did it pretty successful the, about two years ago, and the way we did it was uh, we created this group, a work work group, a culture work group, with yeah. people from the organization. HR was in there. People who were already in the company for 15 years. Some people who were in the company for a few years. Uh, and this culture group, that we give them the objective to uh, to find a model and uh, create storylines and content around our culture. And we created the second group. And um, I know the word in Dutch, it's a sound group, but I don't think that's a proper English word, a, a kind of a mirror group, that everything what was 
created in this uh, culture group has to go to the other group and they, will, they have to say, well, this makes sense and this doesn't make sense. So after the, uh, the core values, we created this whole culture programming through our company and we did ex exactly the same as with the core value. We embedded it in everything what we are doing. And um, what we try to create, and I think that, that, that worked out pretty well, is that we want to give everybody a sense of belonging who's in the company. So we try to act as a family and uh, everybody in the family has to, need, has to feel a sense of belonging. Um, and that's where uh, the, the whole philosophy of uh, we are one, we are one ITQ, uh, the difficulty with a consulting company is that everybody is everywhere. Traveling yeah, around spread out all over the country. Yeah. So I think the secret sauce of how do you want to call it, it's, uh, it's make things explicit, talk about it, create storylines, yeah. embed it in processes, and don't do that only on a management level. Uh, yes. Yeah. If you take someone out of the team, uh, maybe from HR or from the back office or a consultant or an engineer, they should understand the story. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not gonna not gonna yeah. work or mess. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. You mentioned ownership as one of your key values. Is uh, would you elaborate on that? Did you actually? Uh, give yeah. up some of the share capital for people within the business? Is that how that ah, works? Or? Ah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good one. So we are working on a program uh, to reach that, but it's not there yet. Okay. Every, everybody who's now listening from ITQ is thinking, well, maybe I can get some shares. Uh, yeah. And that's actually the plan that we have, yeah. but it's, an, it's not embedded yet. It's, what we yeah. mean with ownership at this moment is that um, if you're delivering a project or you try to fix a problem internally, you have to feel ownership for what yes. you're working on. Yeah. And uh, that means that uh, if you think uh, somebody else is responsible for that, that doesn't mean that you have ownership. Um, and um, that's, uh, that's something that, that's really working well at ITQ. So yeah. if, if we share an issue, everybody feels ownership to create a solution for it. Brilliant. So that's no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. As, as opposed to actual um, ownership of the share capital of the organization, although that's something that you're, you're clearly working on. What's fascinating about listening to, to what you're saying, Francisco, you know, it's, it's been incredible to watch the success that you've had. The video of you being on stage at, at, part, at the, part, the VMware's partner conference in front of all of those thousands of people and you know, the, the organization that you created that ownership piece, what we find with many clients that we work with is the biggest challenge that they have is the silos that form of people competing against each other inside the organization because they're not clear on their purpose. And there is a lack of alignment across the organization. But it sounds like you have very deliberately created such a clear mission and that ownership means that everybody is aligned and everybody feels responsible and everybody is moving in the same direction which to your point earlier about you know one of the reasons that you did it was in the speed is the new currency if you've got everybody mm -hmm. all pulling in the same direction then you are able to move much more quickly 
but that and that ownership yeah. piece is actually I'm going to be a little bit controversial Sam I actually think that is more powerful than just the monetary piece of it because people mm. want to feel like they belong and they were and, and yeah. actually it's that emotional involvement that makes people go the extra mile not the money I think the big difference between uh, having a vision and a strategy and executing it. So we're not only saying that the people are the most important asset. That's not only what we are saying. That's how we're living. That's yeah. We, that's, yeah. that's fundamentally that's who sauce, we are. Then. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. That is the secret sauce. Yeah. Which it's, uh, it's not. Sorry, it's it's not the it's up. You know, words that we've seen many times on posters in the in the kitchen and in the in the in way the you go and get your coffee. Too, yeah. they're not it's not just marketing slogans it's real and it's lived yeah. every day yeah. which is which is what we try and do at the amplified group to to help all of our clients it's about making it muscle memory in the organization yeah yeah no, that makes sense one of the points that francisco made which i think is really important is that you actually whether you do it consciously or subconsciously you hire on culture and that actually saves so much time in the long run. Yeah. They might be brilliant people, absolute geniuses, but if they don't fit your culture, they're, they're not going to help you in the long yeah. run. So they're not going to help the mission. Yeah, and that's your starting point. Hire the right people for your company. That company's just going to grow and grow. So that's the really yeah. smart way of doing it. Very many parallels with the Softcat experience. It's very interesting. You know, diff different thrust of the business, but... Uh, you know, obviously similar, but very similar in terms of cultural strategies, kind of stuff. Really interesting. As in, culture is part of the strategy. Uh, uh, yeah, as in, culture is the strategy. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, but I really believe in that. Yeah, and, no, uh, I do. I do. If I really have conversations with people uh, in the team, so yeah. what's the reason you're working for ITQ? Is that the money? Is that the project, it's, what is it? And um, the number one topic is uh, yeah. culture, being respected, feeling that we are working together on fixing the issues. The mission is very clear. It's all, and the mission is a culture thing too. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, you talk about the culture eat strategy for breakfast or whatever the phrase is. And that's, that seems to me to be more relevant than ever because the situation we're in at the minute with the, the COVID pandemic is that, everybody's strategy is out the window because nothing is the same as it was before. So, you know, if you've got a strong culture, you'll get through it and you'll create a new strategy or, or more for your existing one. But well, Sam, you know, this, is, this is so interesting that you're saying this because we have this crisis corona team internally with mm. the management and uh, we have this corona updates every two of them in every week and uh, we try yeah. to... Uh, to uh, communicate with everybody and understand what our steps are to survive this crisis. And uh, we, we take some measures too, of course. Yeah? So uh, not really big things. We always uh, have discussions with how would it impact the individual. So uh, we want to be very uh, risk avoidance. Well, yes. What's the right yeah. word for that? Um, and then there is this consultant writing an email to us as a management saying, well, I really respect the way you think about this crisis, but uh, why is not everybody bringing some salary back to the company? Because uh, these are strange and different times. So with the management team, you're thinking, should we give uh, extra free day or should we cancel a training or 
maybe should do something different with uh, with uh, with study budgets. And then these consultants are sending us emails. Well, we understand the situation, and uh, if we have to cut some salary for the next few months, mm. uh, well, let us know. Because people are bought into the company. Yeah, and that was so. I almost had tears in my eyes when I was reading mm. the email. So what's happening over here? And uh, that's, uh, I think that's culture too, eh? So everybody's yeah. feeling yeah. the pain of the organization and um, everybody understands that we are a really healthy company and we will survive this crisis. But uh, the reason we are so healthy is because everybody's so influenced and uh, in the inner circle of the company. Yeah, so bought into it. Really interesting. So Francisco, you were, when you started the business, the CEO. Yes. Clearly, that's changed because you're now not the CEO, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Um, what point in your journey did you realize you, just, you needed to do something differently, and, and why did that happen? Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's, that's not an easy question. <laughs> no, sure. Uh, and I'm going to share maybe a secret with you. That, uh, so we changed uh, my role two years ago, but I already made a decision five years ago, maybe okay. already six years ago. Um, the biggest issue I had after my decision, and I will tell you later about my decision, the biggest issue was that we were not doing a bad job. We were yeah. growing the business 30% year over year. I saw a lot of happy faces around me, and I had this plan to give my job away to somebody else. Um, so the first two years uh, I spent convincing everybody that's a good, that it is a good strategy to, uh, to change my role and to find a leader to, uh, to, to grow the company. And then you already have the first issue, why should you grow the company? Uh, so what's, what is the thing about that? So I spend a lot of time to explain people that in this world where things are changing so fast, it's important that we change models, uh, price models, uh, services models. Uh, we have to grow a little bit, be relevant for our own people, be relevant for our customers, be relevant for our partners. And Chrome must be a part of that. Uh, after I succeed in that, uh, I spent time of convincing people that I was not the right person. Uh, and then you start first with your, with your partner in crime. Um, he, was yeah. he, he, was, he, he was He was. He was not surprised and he, 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 he was understanding the discussion so then you start with the rest of the management team i think i spent about two years on that topic uh and um speed was not an issue at the moment because mm. i was still managing it but then and then you have to find somebody and well, that's that's of course a process too the the time i made a decision was that i i love to walk, hiking, long walks, eight hours, 10 hours. Uh, I need to do that uh, for, for losing some weight. But the other reason is that um, I'm a little bit uh, chaotic in my head sometimes. And, yeah. um, if I'm getting tired, I got more time to focus and think on, uh, on topics uh, I should think of. And um, my background is interesting then too. That, uh, so my father is Spanish and my mother is Dutch. And um, she was 18 when I was born. I said, I, I'm from a, I don't want to feel or sound sad, but I'm from a poor family and from a social different and difficult situation. Um, yeah. So I didn't went to college or whatever. I started working when I was very young. Uh, I didn't learn any English until I was 30. Um, so the background was 
it was not a really easy ramp up. And um, I started the company when I was 24. I was already six years in IT and I was feeling there was something wrong. So it was about five years ago and I was doing this long, long, long walks. And I was thinking, what is the biggest issue at the moment? Doing long walks is really uh, confronting yourself with being tired in one hand and have no time in your head to think about other things than your issue. And how longer I, I did these walks and how more I was thinking about my position, I was realizing that I was the biggest issue for the future because I'm an entrepreneur and I am doing 100 things at the same time. And uh, I can be very direct to people and I'm not the best structured person in the world. And what is a company needs who wants to grow? You need a stable management team. Uh, you need structure, clear goals, uh, and bases you can build on. So. In one of these walks, I made a decision with myself that my mission should be in the next two, three years to replace myself. That's how, how, how it went. Brilliant. Wow. What, what uh, an amazing thing to decide to do. Uh, what advice would you give to any other CEOs or, or business owners maybe thinking about that sort of thing? Well, well, first of all, if you're doing a great job, don't do, do anything. Just keep continuing doing this great job. Um, mm. And then you have two types of CEOs. You've got the persons like me who are, uh, started the company and feeling the, the limitation of the, the success in the future. Um, that's where I can give some advice about because that was the situation I was in. Um, I think it's important to realize that uh, you did a great job bringing the company from A to B. But it doesn't mean that uh, with the talent you have, uh, you're the right guy to bring it from C to D. And, um, yeah. um, and I think it's really important to understand what your, uh, what your, where your energy is and where your talent is, especially where your weaknesses are. So I think my advice would be to, 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 to realize that. And maybe a positive part of that is that because it, it feels a little bit like a demotion. Eh? But you you mm. was the CEO and now you're only responsible for um, And you're still the owner, but well, you're not the CEO. But yeah. if I look back in the last two years and how much respect I own, for, and, I, and I, I'm a person who, who have a, gives a lot of value on respect. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's important that I respect people and they respect me. If I look back in the last two years, I'm sure they have more respect for me right now than two years back. And that says for me more than a job title. Um, and the reason they respect me more is, I think for two reasons. First of all, because I made this decision uh, and it sounds as a tough decision. But the second thing is I'm using my talent and my energy uh, for uh, creating things in the company. They are really an add-on instead of an, uh, somebody who's sandbagging and uh, thinking yeah. he's doing the right things. So that would be my advice that... Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. How, how did it make you feel when you came to that decision? And probably more interestingly, how did it make you feel when you finally handed the reins over to somebody else? Well, first of all, five years ago, when I made a decision in my head, it feels like a, in the first week, like a release. So okay, yeah. now I know what the issue is. Uh, but then uh, uh, it cost me some time and I have to find the energy to, to create this situation. Um, but I have a very strong team around me and when I explained it to the, to, to the, to the management team, everybody uh, was, uh, was in the 
creating a solution modus. Um, after the handover, um, well, well, I could talk hours about that because that's where it really gets gets difficult. Eh? So um, I I was facing these two things. First of all, was that I'm I'm doing all kind of projects and execution plans right now, and how do I come to hand over that to the new CEO? So what I did was I created a kind of a book about uh, all the projects I was working on, all the visions and missions I saw we should fix uh, and all my thoughts around that. And I, just the first thing I did, I, I wrote this all down. I, I, I presented this to Robert and tell him, do whatever you like to do with it. But that, now you know what's in my mind about this topic. Yeah. And the second part, and that's extremely much harder, is uh, giving him the trust that I believe in him and give him the space to operate. So yeah. the biggest concern I had about myself because uh, I'm a little bit chaotic and I do 100 things at the same time, but I have an opinion about everything too. So <laughs> the, the concern I had was that uh, every time he was doing something, I was creating an opinion about it. Yeah. So I, I trained myself in a way that uh, we, I created space with, uh, with Robert, the new CEO, uh, to have very long discussions about topics, but I trained myself not to have an opinion about it. So yeah. I, give, I give my vision, I give him the trust, I tell him he was, uh, the things I was thinking he was doing the right things. If I was seeing some things I was not really sure about, oh, I was, it was not the first thing I would discuss about, but it, let it go. Um, but it was hard. It was not easy. <laughs> it was yeah, especially yeah, yeah. I can well imagine. Yeah, the positive thing is that he was doing a great job. So uh, that makes things yeah. extremely much easier than uh, than it's the other way around. You clearly hired the right guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what's been the biggest impact on the business? What has been the biggest impact? Well, first of all. Um, I'm always working on uh, on a hundred things, and uh, I think that's important. Doing a lot of things, and the first thing he did was creating structure. So um, he he told me, Francisco, I was I, I, I'm looking to the management team, and there is a board, and everybody's doing a lot of things, but nobody's know what he's working on and what the mission is of what he's working on. So let's kill one management line. So we used to have a board, and we used to have a management team, and he told me, Francisco. That's not working. We're creating one management team and they are responsible yeah. for the whole company structure. So that was something I was not really convinced about in the first period. After two years, I'm really happy with that. Um, so he created this structure uh, that, uh, that gives the possibility to people to, uh, to accelerate in, the, in their role. Um, so that was, the, I think, the biggest impact uh, switching uh, the switch between him and, uh, and me. Um, and there were some things that, um, yeah, that really surprised surprised me. And um, oh I yes, think, yeah. What, what 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 surprised you? Well, what surprised me the most is that I told my wife that I had a new CEO, so I could spend more time on the family. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but that's not true. <laughs> I was going to say I bet that didn't happen. No, no, no. Like <laughs> <laughs> no. So that was the biggest surprise that. Um, it, 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 if you are 
in if you're in a person on the right place where you got the right energy and you're doing the right things, there is only more things to do. Uh, yeah, you have. So, um, so that's one of the surprises. And the other surprise I had is that, um, well, I know it, in 2020, it's uh, still a very big discussion, but it's already there for like 15, 20 years. Typical, typical manager person who is creating people around him who are a little bit the same as him, like me. Yeah. So if, you look, if you're looking to my management team, it's like it's all male. They're all, all between 40 and 55 they're all hetero. They're all men. That's like like what you shouldn't do. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, and the first thing uh, our new CEO was telling me, Francisco, the diversity in this team is terrible. And um, yeah. Um, and um, and that's what surprised me too is that uh, he he had the courage to say to me, Francisco, this is not a good thing. We should change it. We should bring yeah. other type of people in. Uh, yeah. from, and, uh, and, and, and the results of that uh, are, and, and it's a difficult thing to do in IT, yeah, because mm. that's how it works a little bit in IT. And I think everybody... Yeah, unfortunately. Understands. Yeah, unfortunately. But he's working on that very hard. And I, I, I see the results are coming. We are not there yet. And I think yeah. it will take us three, four, five more years to do mm. the right things. But that's a big thing he surprised me with too. So, Francisco, when you know you said you had blind spots, is that one of them? Then, do you think? Yes, that's that's, that's for sure one of my blind spots. So, uh, I never realized how important diversity was, and not only diversity between men and women, but diversity in discussions, diversity in. Um, uh, so, I'm always saying what I'm thinking, but there are some other people who are not shouting out the whole time. But their ideas are better than mine. Um, so we never spent any time on uh, external management trainings uh, or, well, I don't have to explain you, I think, uh, how important <laughs> how important that is. I think the whole podcast is about that. And one of my blind mm. spots is uh, actually that I don't have the patience or the rest of, to think about it or do anything with it. Um, but if somebody's explaining to me, it's coming, it's completely clear for me that's extremely important. But it's not where my energy is. I'm more like, uh, let's go for it. And uh, if you're in my work and you're in, and if you're not, you're out. Uh, but that's not how the world uh, works. And, it's, and, and, it, and, and I'm, I'm convinced that it's a bad thing I'm doing. I'm, I'm, so it's, but I find out that I believe in that strategy that is a good way of creating teams. But I'm not the person who should create a structure around it. Uh, yeah. So I'm a big supporter of it, uh, but uh, the new CEO is doing a much, much better job in that. Just want to pick up on what you were saying about diversity, because that's one of the things that we are really passionate about at the Amplified Group. And But it's the way that you've just described diversity in the way that we think about it as well. So just to kind of reinforce the point, it's we we're looking for diversity of thought and opinion that's that's what and we're looking for um in in the work that we do it's about in the boardroom it's defined as robust debate yeah the five behaviors it's called conflict or productive conflict but what that is really about is first of all you to have that conflict and to have that robust debate you have to have the trust in the first place you have to have that safe environment where 
you can feel like you can speak up. But as you as you just said, Francisco, you know, um, I've I've certainly learned from doing these podcasts that how much I spoke, I needed to to stop talking and to make sure that we go around the table and we ask everybody's opinion because some people are very happy to offer their opinion, but others need to be asked, and those people more likely have to have even better ideas but we need to get all the ideas on the table to start with and to have that diversity the diversity thing goes even further back right it goes back to the point that if you actually know who is in the room then you can adapt the way you talk to them and the way they react to you so your point francisco about the fact that you might have been hiring the same type of person of as you is really typical. And I had this discussion only last week with a recruiter and she said, oh yeah, I've, I've just seen all of the DISC profiles, which is a personality assessment that we do. And all of the people in that team are the same. They're all DIs. And I said, oh really, who hired them? She said, well, I did. I said, there's your answer. You're hiring the same type of person as you. So if you can have the smart choice to say we want to hire on diversity and have a different group of people, then, hey, aren't you going to get a different perspective? And isn't that going to be a more, you know, a better way of working as a team? So this is just so powerful that you've now got to the point with your CEO that you can recognize that having diversity in the team is actually going to help you grow further. Yes. and Very interesting. Yeah. And... And I mean this in a positive way, but uh, you cannot change uh, a team overnight because everybody in the, in the team is doing a great job already. Yeah. Um, so the first steps uh, we are trying to do, uh, especially uh, uh, the CEO, is change the mindset of the people who are already there. So we have one person, and uh, when he's listening to the podcast, he know I'm talking about him. He's really shy, but really, really but he has great brains. So you really have to ask him about his opinion and then it's, then it's coming. It's coming. And then you have to ask another question and it's coming. His opinion is getting even better, but it takes some, it takes some courage from everybody to, to act in that way. Yeah. But on the long, long term, uh, we have to make some decisions too in the, in the, in the setting of the group, because at the end of the day, uh, a female between 40 and 55 is not going to change over time. Yeah, it's age, but it's the only thing. Uh, and uh, so we have a challenge over there too. Yeah, and I think as long as you recognize that, and as you say, you can't just over, overnight just hire a different group of people because you, you know that you need diversity. You have to do that in steps. But if you just know that there's somebody in the team that is really super smart, but is not going to talk uh, a speaker unless you actually prompt them to do that. I had exactly the same circumstance when I was at, uh, on a course at Cranfield University, and we were all, all D types, all very dominant types. And then I turned around and I saw this one guy, his name is Yarbolt, and I loved him. He was very quiet. And I just asked him one simple question, what do you think? And he said, well, actually, we had not talked about the customer. And it was a light bulb moment <laughs> for the whole team because we were mm. so busy with our ideas. We'd forgotten who the customer was. And Yarbolt was the smartest person in that room for what we to get to. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it happens slowly. But, you know, the fact that you recognize each other's and pull out those strengths and weaknesses is important. So is there anything 
Francisco, in retrospect, that you would have done differently? Yeah, talking about the past is always easier because then you already <laughs> saw Easier it. than talking about the future, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So even if I still uh, trained myself not to try to sit on his chair anymore, maybe I did a few times that I shouldn't do it. But the relation I have with Robert is so open that uh, he respects that I'm doing it and the fact that I am telling him I shouldn't do it. So yeah. So what's, what's, interesting, what's interesting is that uh, Robert, he, uh, he used to be a customer of us. So oh, I used interesting. To, yeah. So I used to work for him. In, uh, in the early time we had ITQ, um, I was uh, still active as a project manager in projects and he was my... Um, the, the president of the steering committees and um, so uh, so we know each other already for about 10, 10 years plus and um, so we have a lot of respect for each other and we know how, how to act um, and when we were in the process of hiring um, we talked about this topic a lot so uh, how are we going to have discussions with each other and uh, how are we going to address things and uh, tomorrow, Friday, uh, the end of the day, we are going to walk for about two hours in the forest, of course, with one and a half meter distance. And um, we are picking discussions and not only the easy discussions, especially the more tough discussions. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm sure he respects me a lot and he knows I respect him a lot. And if you yeah. respect each other and... Um, then, then it's easier to give feedback even when it's uh, it's negative and he has some negative feedback about me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, that's how uh, you learn, isn't it? I, 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 yeah. guess, I guess that's the robust debate thing that Vicky was talking about earlier. Yeah, that's true. And I'm always making this, I uh, call it a frame that uh, it doesn't matter if you're living in Amsterdam and you want to drive to, uh, to Rome. It doesn't matter if you pass Paris or Munich. Uh, either way, you will get to, to Rome and maybe it take you a few hours longer and a little bit more gasoline. But uh, the most, the, the dumbest thing you can do is stay in Amsterdam, discuss hours about it and don't move. Mm. Because it doesn't matter if you take two or three hours more and a few liters of gasoline. Uh, yeah. As long as you issue, if you're going. And that's something we respect for each other too. So he's, sometimes he's doing things I would do different, but I don't talk about it. Because I yeah. think it doesn't matter left or right. The funny thing is, a lot of times he, the, the decisions he's making are more efficient than, the, than I would do it. <laughs> yeah. but, you, but, you, but you never know that before you start. So. Yeah, very interesting. It's an interesting dynamic because I guess in the context of the day-to-day -day business, effectively he is your boss. But in the yes. overall context, you are his boss because the CEO is responsible to the shareholders and you are... Yeah, well, the, the, we have a the, very easy model for that. So the mm. model is that uh, the board are the shareholders. And yeah. uh, he has some shares too. Of course, uh, yeah. Yeah. And we have about three times a year discussion. And that's it. Yeah. And if we're leaving the room, he's the boss again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's easy. If I want to yeah. uh, change the direction, if I want to give my opinion, uh, if I want, I have to do it in that in that meeting with. The, yeah, you have with, three with, three opportunities in a twelve month period to do that, and uh, yeah. Yes. No, and, it's interesting. Uh, that makes sense. 
And I always make jokes about my ego uh, because it's easy to make jokes about things that are not really true. Uh, so I always uh, make jokes about it. My ego is too big uh, to have conversations and that kind of jokes. But uh, to be honest, my ego is very, very small. And, um, uh, I, uh, and, and it's not that ITQ is Francisco. ITQ is the company, all the people who are in there. And they, the, the company is much, much, much more important than I am. So my yeah. dream is that if, if I'm retiring in 20, 25 years, the company is still there and I don't have any shares anymore. That's yeah. my dream. So yeah. I have to step, step out of the discussion that I, uh, I think I'm the boss. I'm not. Yeah. Shai, you wanted to make an observation about Patrick's recent book. Yes, yeah, so Patrick's written, Patrick Lencioni, um, he's written 12 books now, but this one has become a bestseller already. And it's a, it's a really great book, and it's called The Motive. And it was so coincidental that I read this book actually about two weeks after we'd had this conversation with Francisco in that we were going to do this podcast. And the, the two things that I think is really important, and Francisco, this is definitely the thread throughout what you've talked about, is he says there are two types of leaders, and you have to have the right motive. One of them is that it's a reward, and the other, it's a responsibility. And what he me meant by that is that if you think that being the CEO is a reward for all the hard work you've done, that's not the right motive to be the leader. Uh, so what Francisco has done is he became the CEO as a natural progression, but has obviously looked and thought, no, I just want a responsibility to make this company good. And overall, see, being CEO is maybe not the right thing, but I'm still responsible and I want to continue helping this company grow. So you're basically the, the absolute best practice, um, <clears throat> Francisco, for this book. And if you read the book, it's a great book. It's short. It's, as usual, written as a fable. But the lessons at the back of it, I recommend highly anybody that is in a similar position to Francisco and is thinking, do you know what? I might not be the best person to lead this company, but I've just got so much still to give. Read the book because it's fantastic. It's really great. Seems like a good point maybe to ask Francisco for you to give us a little summary, maybe a, a top tips for anybody who finds themselves in you in your position and there will be more people in that position than probably realize that they are in that position. So I have a family and um, three daughters uh, and um, actually I have a great life. Uh, I came from a neighborhood where there was nothing. I'm living in this beautiful house uh, near, the, near the coast and um, um, I think I realized that because uh, I'm always thinking about what's really important for me and I don't give anything about job titles or money. I want to wake up five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I want to go to work and I want to have a lot of fun and energy. So I think uh, my, my big tip will be try to find where your energy is. And uh, the other thing is that um, um, I always have the feeling that a lot of people don't trust each other and I always think there's politics behind discussions and uh, social status and how you call that kind of things but i think the most people in this world are very good people and they are really uh, having the same drive i have and um and, and that that's the discussion with uh, ceo or not eh? it doesn't matter what your position is in an organization as long as you all, all have the same feeling and the same 
uh, uh, where you want to go and the same uh, same goal. I, will, yeah. I, I always try to explain to people in the in the management in the team and in at ITQ, we want to we want to sail to an island and that's where we want to be in three to five years. And uh, let's try to paint that picture to each other. How does that look like? Mm. And then everybody's trying to find discussions why it's difficult to reach. But I say no. Let's let's make the picture, and the wind will tell us how fast we will go there. But it, it doesn't matter as long as we know what island we want to sail to. We will reach it at the end. As as long as you're moving, the important thing is to get moving. Yeah. Yeah. The speed, no, is the, the speed is the new currency. Yeah. So yeah. you have to keep the speed up. Yeah. Makes sense. Can I just ask um, one more question? If you were to give any advice to CEOs, how to recognise that they should change position? But I think they're already knowing. That's the whole point. Eh? So you wake up in the morning and you're brushing your teeth and you're looking through the mirror and then you're already yeah. knowing, am I doing the right things or not? Otherwise, you will never be in that position. And yeah. we have this society that uh, the captain is interesting and how low you go, how less interesting you are as a person. But I don't believe in that. Um, if you look to my, my social group, the people I really love to do uh, nice things with, they, they have all kinds of jobs. Uh, but the reason I like them is because they're all doing what I love. Uh, and uh, I think that's extremely important. And I'm, I'm convinced that um, the CEOs who are on the, in the position and they don't want to be there, they already know it. Uh, but yeah. um, the social pressure and uh, the discussion with your wife or with your, your partner is, is something that's uh, holding you down of making this kind of discussions. But I'm, in a way, a lucky person eh? because um, my partner is a really uh, sensible or a smart person who you can have uh, discussions with uh, on this level. But it's not saying that a week after, yeah, you don't want to be a CEO. It's like he's not sticking a knife in my back. Maybe that's a better way to explain it. And yeah. That's the same with my management team and the same with all the people from ITQ. You can have decent, proper conversations about these kind of topics without uh, being attacked the day after. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if that's in every organization the same. Um, but I that's don't the, think it is. Yeah, so that's the luck I have uh, in this. But I, I, I think if you're every CEO, or every manager or every person in an organization already knows if, he, if he's in the right place or not. So, Shah, I think we better do hero time. Yeah, so I'm going to explain what hero time is in a sec, but first of all, I'm going to ask you all to indulge me in a little story because it, um, it came up this morning. So my husband, who works for a company called Dato, he had an email in his inbox and it said, there is such a thing as a free lunch. Right. And in these times when we're all, you know, having to work remotely and, and having to deal with all this, this is just a great example of somebody who was a former CEO at his company and is now no longer the CEO, but very much involved in the discussions with the CEO. And they said, we usually give away a free lunch to our staff on a Friday. Every Friday they go into the office and they have a free lunch, but we can't do that anymore. So how can we make them feel like they're still having their free lunch on a Friday? So they've agreed between them 
that they are going to send every single employee across the world a voucher and they're all going to order lunch at the same time and they're going to sit together and have lunch with their families in front of the camera and I think that's an awesome thing because that that is exactly the same position he's no longer the CEO he's handed over the reins but he's happy to do this out of his own pocket this is not coming out of the company pocket but they had that discussion and said you know what can we do to keep the culture going back to what ITQ do you know it's all about the culture of the company and you know, he, he was so impressed, he had to come and show me that email and say, hey, we've got a free lunch tomorrow. So I just wanted to share that with you because I thought oh, it was that great. You know, I love it. It's good. Fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Take, taking care of the people. Exactly. Deliberately. Let's talk about Hero. So um, the reason we do Hero Time is we uh, it's not about making us the hero it's about um, you talking about your heroes somebody in the past that maybe has motivated you or inspired you and I think we all have that person inside us even if it was a school teacher you know somebody that, that helped us along the way or you know helped us to learn a language so with that I just thought it would be really nice to understand from you who you think maybe fits into that category for you. Uh, I have someone, he, he, he doesn't know he is my hero, <laughs> but so I, I dropped out of school when I was 16 and um, that was about the time I was thinking if I will continue this uh, life and journey, I will end somewhere in a factory doing things I don't want to do. So. I made a decision to go to a school. It's, it, it was an IT uh, uh, training for a year and it was like 40 hours a week, no vacation, and it was private uh, owned. So it was pretty expensive uh, for me in that time. Uh, but I made a decision to try it, but I find out that um, the, 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 the papers you need to go into the school, and uh, I was not really fitting that. So I made some lies about it. I'm not sure if I can still lose my uh, papers, but uh, in that time it was still possible. And uh, we're, pro we're, we're, pro we're probably part of statute of limitations on that, I think. <laughs> but I was accepted. And uh, after a year very hard studying, I, uh, I passed all the exams. But, but then there was this issue. But there was the whole time this guy on the school, his name is uh, Dirk, and um, he was organizing internships for everybody or try to find jobs and that he was just doing that. So he was calling me and telling, well, he was calling me on a normal phone at that time, just like a land phone. Of Cisco, listen, I have this job opportunity for you in a place called Harlem and uh, they're looking for somebody and they want to invest in it and uh, I think you're the right person. So I, he sent me there and I was doing this job for a year and then one day he was in, in the front of my house and I was still living at my parents and he was saying, Cisco, uh, you have a few minutes for me. And I, yeah, of course, Derek, uh, thanks for the time. And he was telling me that uh, one of the companies, I was a customer of the company I was working for, was telling about me to him that Cisco is a very special guy, a nice person, he's doing a great job, but his attitude is completely wrong. His face is always looking like he's going to war. Uh, it's like he's doing a good job, but it's, 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 he never smiles. And uh, these people told uh, uh, Dirk about this. And Dirk was coming to my house to tell me this. 
And so I told him, what do you think I should do about it? Because that's not the way I want to go into my career. And he gave me this book from a guy called uh, Dale Carnegie. And his book was, uh, was uh, published in... Uh, 1935 or something. Yeah, it's old. I know the one. I know the one. Yeah, Yeah, how you make friends and good relations or something like that. How how to win friends and influence people. Yes, but I didn't read any English. (laughs) So so I I read it in that time and it cost me a lot of of energy. Um, uh, But I learned a lot from the book about why smiling is important, why why it's important to respect everybody. And what I learned from, uh, from, uh, uh, from Dale Carnegie is uh, the, uh, I'm not sure, it's the responsible assumption or something. He has this theory about if you want to change somebody else, you have to start with yourself. Uh, and uh, then you have to give this good example. And uh, if you give this good example, people will follow you. And uh, the reason Derek is my hero, because uh, he has the courage to uh, come from another town to my house to tell me a story that somebody else is telling him that I was, well, I had to do something about my uh, behavior. So I think you need courage for that. Uh, He used to be somebody from school, teacher, something. He he doesn't have any relation with me or, so the reason he's my hero is because he just jumped in the car went to my house, gave me this, this book without any reason. And I didn't see him for like 15, 15 years or something. And a few months ago, I was walking in the forest. He was passing by on the bicycle. And I said, hey, Derek, how are you? And we had a conversation. And it was the first time I said thank you to him for, uh, for changing, changing my, uh, my way of, of, of behavior. And uh, so that's the reason Derek is my hero, because he introduced me to Dale Carnegie. And uh, I read all his books. Fantastic. And what's that's, Derek's full name? Because you've got to give him full credit. Derek Foscombe. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank you. That's, that's really funny because, I mean, the whole Del Carnegie thing, I think, you know, it's gone by the wayside. It's a bit out of fashion these days. Um, I mean, I imagine it was must have been one of the first kind of business self-help books way back when. And I, I was given a copy of that book. Okay. Probably in my mid-teens, I suppose. Just, just. Oh, I, I don't remember exactly when. And uh, like you, you know, I credit that book with helping me a lot with my business career and changing the attitude. And it might be a, a little old-fashioned these days, but there's definitely yeah. so much value still in that. Yeah. Francisco, that was absolutely brilliant. Thank yeah. you so much. Really and, uh, amazing. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So it just remains for me to say thank you for listening to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group. If you liked it, please give us a review and be sure to subscribe and we'll see you next time.